Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is director Jay Silverman, and this is the second time he's been on the show. I'm really excited to have him back, and we're talking about his new movie called Saving Paradise, which is absolutely adorable. Welcome to the show again, Jay. Thank you so much. I'm very grateful, Jan, that uh, I was invited back on. <laughs> well, my pleasure. My pleasure. We had you on the show, what, a couple of years ago for Off the Menu? That's what you call pre-pandemic. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> a pre-pandemic movie, for sure. Exactly. Did you uh, film this movie before the pandemic? Yes, we, we actually filmed this in 2019. We finished post in 2020, literally one day before L.A. closed. Um, wow. So we, were, we thought we were very fortunate to get it all done and take the movie to market. But as you can see, it took us all the way until now to finally get the movie uh, distributed for reasons that are obvious. You right, know? right. Exactly, exactly. And in the meantime, the entire business has, has, has evolved. You know, I was just reading a long article yesterday by uh, Scott Stuber. I think it's Scott Stuber, who's the head of production at Netflix, about the industry and how it's changed. And, and, and the pandemic just, you know, rushed things in another way that we had not been expecting before. So it's, it was a fascinating, it was a fascinating article to hear his perspective on the industry and where it's going to go now. So it's always evolving, always changing. I'm ready for it. <laughs> Me too. I'm just not making my next movie until it's over. Oh, good, 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 good. Well, let's talk about this one. Saving Paradise is just you know, you make these really sweet, heartwarming love stories, which is what I love. And and this one is, it really is, on, you know, in the um, vein of It's a Wonderful Life, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. I have to watch that absolutely every year. Um, and it has that feel to it. So tell me how you... Got- because you didn't write this. Um, tell me how you were, were attracted to this project. And also, then we'll also tell the audience a little bit about the synopsis of the film. Well, n- number one, I was attracted to this project uh, because of the theme, which was, in my opinion, a very refreshing type of maybe old-fashioned movie to to make at a very unique time in history when the country was so divided and I just thought it was a really timely subject. The way my process works as a filmmaker is Bethany Serona, who is one of my producers, found the project on the blacklist. And um, the blacklist, for people that don't know, is if you are a viable producer, you have uh, an invitation to essentially new screenplays that are available to purchase. And I was lucky enough to find this property uh, through Bethany. And we met Van Billet that uh, wrote the screenplay. And it's a true story about his life and how he, as a investment banker, tried to acquire a pencil company and in in the story, as as you probably noticed, you know, it's a small little pencil factory in a small little town in the Midwest, and uh, it's fighting for its life. And the outcome of it is not much different than the, the story of uh, It's a Wonderful Life, or even Norma Ray. You see how the community gets together to fight uh, the evils of big corporate America taking over this company and moving it to another country. And it is, and it goes from there. You, you, uh, it, it is. You know what I was saying? I've said this a number of times that during the pandemic, I didn't want to watch anything heavy. 
I didn't, I just avoided anything that was too heavy and uh, only wanted light movies. And this is one of those movies that falls into that category where it just takes you on a journey. And it, you know, brought tears to my eyes and, you know, just a wonderful, oh, wonderful cast. Oh, my goodness. we got to talk about the cast of this film. Uh, your lead characters, um, William, is it Mosley? Is that how you say it? Correct. William Mosley and Joanna Brady? Correct. Great. Okay. They're adorable. They've got great chemistry on screen. Um, you can tell the audience where they might have seen these actors before, because when you see their faces, they are familiar. Absolutely. Uh, well, William Mosley is, as as most of us who have children, uh, followed the, the, the um, Narnia series, was the lead of Narnia. Um, and he went on to do, an, you know, he's done quite well with his career but he's a british actor and um narnia was you know his his current big big moment um uh, joanna bradley is um brady is um i think uh, she's known and uh with, let me just look up yeah well i i saw her on quantum which is uh what is it called Monica. well you got to edit this for me Quantico. <laughs> But Chronicle was on Netflix, I believe. And yeah, it was virtually yeah. on it's, it's a brilliant show, and she was great. And, and she also was on a, uh, a, a series. Um, I'm looking at my notes. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you, know, you off. You know, crazy? you know what's crazy about being a filmmaker and doing these interviews is that it's now I understand why when they bring these actors in to talk about a movie that they made three years ago. They seem so disassociated. So here I am. I'm already deep, deep, deep into another project. And obviously, this is that moment in time where I wake up in the morning and I got to talk about a movie I made two and a half years ago, which I spent three years developing. And uh, anyways, it's very exciting. But, you know, the two leads were not only, you know, good chemistry, as, as you just said, but more importantly, I think they both believed in the project. You know, they wanted to be a part of something and this is an independent movie. And if you don't have that kind of passion by your lead characters, I think, you know, you're already missing one of the most important ingredients. And, and you know, some of the other characters, which were Mimi Kennedy, uh, Mary Pat Gleason, Paul Dooley, you know, who he is, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Cobbs, Lawrence Pressman, James Eichhardt, you know, these are individuals that wouldn't have taken this movie unless they just fell in love with the script. Right. Um, right. And I really say, you know, Van Billet, who who was uh, an investor in this project as well as a screenwriter, uh, was a magnificent individual to collaborate with because, you know, when you're pulling from a real event and we're shooting in a real pencil factory in Tennessee, and, you know, incidentally, you know, that in itself was a magnificent thing to try to try to pull off in an independent movie, which was predominantly filmed in Los Angeles. So it was, it was a, it was a, you know, I mean, you witnessed the movie. Did you feel like you were in LA? No, not at all. Not, not one bit. And I, and I had reread the, the press notes ahead of time and I knew it was, you know, partially filmed in, you know, in the town. And we'll talk about the town with the pencil factory. Sure. And then also uh, in LA. And there was no way that I could figure out what scenes were filmed where, to be honest with you. So that's, the, that's one of my favorite parts of filmmaking is the, it's not the special effects, it's the, it's the fact that you can create a, an illusion that makes. I think uh, incredibly creative choices that 
in this particular case, makes a movie like this possible as an independent film. 100%. Now, you, what, what I did read, and this is sort of interesting, that the, well, let's talk about how you found the pencil factory. And then those scenes I read were shot on an iPhone 10. Is that correct? Well, okay. Here's what happened. Okay. Uh, the, Get me the real, the real truth. Pencil, <laughs> the real pencil company in Tennessee is in a town called Shelbyville. And uh, it's called the Musgrave Pencil Factory. I got to give them a pitch because out of a, a level of love, yes. we got to enter their factory. And I was given a very short period of time to capture the factory. And I, I even brought my DP with me with a camera assistant. We knew we couldn't light it. We knew that we only had a few hours. So while my DP was covering important shots that had to be covered, I went around with my iPhone 10. And essentially, in the opening credits, how you make a pencil from A to Z was all captured on my iPhone. And, you know, that's a tribute to technology. And it really is a tribute to being resourceful mm-hmm. in, in a, an independent film. So Yeah, well, you know, Steven Soderbergh has filmed a couple of movies uh, yeah. on, on, on an iPhone, and as well as Sean Baker, who I think was one of the first to start filming, you know, on an iPhone or one of the early adapters of doing that. So it's amazing what the technology can do nowadays, for sure. You know, I think it's, I think one of the most uh, exciting parts is anything's possible. Exactly. And, and, you know, to say that it's funny, I watched a show last night on Netflix that was filming in the Louvre. And I know there, you know, it's, even though it's a French show, it's called art crimes uh, the, the whole, all the scenes you can tell in the Louvre are shot with natural light, you know, because they're not allowed. I don't know how they got in to right. begin with, because from what I understand, the Da Vinci Code was like the last movie they allowed. But I guess French productions are allowed. And it, it's beautiful because mm-hmm. you can now do things five years ago you could never do with, with lighting equipment, with uh, cameras, and with digital technology. So it's, it's really get, something to embrace. Exactly. And it's only going to get better as technology, you know, keeps improving, too, through the years and make it, you know, easier for filmmakers um, down the road. So, right. uh, so tell us about how you found this uh, wonderful pencil factory in Shelbyville, is Shelbyville, Tennessee, is that? Yeah, Shelbyville, Tennessee. We, we um, the writer, uh, Van, um, had already met the owner of this pencil factory. They, they, his company at the time, when he was still in business as an investment banker, had purchased a 10 company and they wanted to complement that with a pencil factory. Mm. Uh, their, their business uh, model is a buy and hold, which means the opposite of what Wall Street does. And, uh, you know, Wall Street wants to act, acquire properties and then sell them at the highest price. And, and then that leaves the, the average employer worker, you know, basically dry and, and sitting on the sidelines. Um, so he knew this, the owner of this factory. He had met him, you know, when they were discussing acquiring companies. And he, we just made a phone call and we got right in. But the interesting part of the subject is, is there pardon me, there used to be, you know, hundreds of pencil factories in the world. Now there's, you can count them on one hand. And uh, this factory still is in existence today. And while I was shooting it, you know, I'm not going to lie, you know, there's, I'm wondering, is this even going to be here by the time the movie comes out? Oh, wow, really? So. And is it? Is it still there? 
Uh, it's still in business, yeah. Well, we still need pencils. I mean, I know, I know we don't use pencils that much anymore, but we still need pencils. So, well, I, I think it's super fascinating. You know, when I remember watching the uh, the Tonight Show and, and, and <laughs> Mr. K, Danny K, was on, and he goes, "How do they get those airplanes up? I mean, how do they fly?" <laughs> you know, and I, to this day, I always found that amusing. Well, I don't know how they make pencils. I don't know where they come from. I don't know how they fabricate them. And this was a whole learning experience for me. And a, and a great metaphor for a story that's about saving a small town um, that makes pencils. <laughs> you know, and you know, you mentioned, you know, how did I find this place? The truth of it is, there's only, I believe, three pencil factories in the United States now, and one of them in particular didn't even return our calls. Really? Yeah, half of that factory, uh, essentially, uh, we woke up in the morning and found out they turned it into condominiums. So, you know, it, it, it seemed like such a perfect subject. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of the project, and I'm proud to be a part of something that I feel is inspiring as yes. a filmmaker. Yes, yeah. Now, no, you, you should be proud of it. It, it is. A, it is. It's a, it's a just, it is inspiring. It's, it's uh, you've got. Again, um, it's a great story, and it's a good story for us today because we're losing so much of these small businesses, and we've lost a lot through the pandemic, unfortunately, and, and they're saying many of them will not come back. And I know uh, quite a few places have closed here, big places. They just closed their big stores down here. I mean, it was, I think they're still in business in other places, but not here. So that was surprising, too, you know, that a lot of these big box stores um, closed their doors during the pandemic. So we've, you know, we're losing part of our um, heritage as Americans when we start to, you know, start to progress too far too fast and lose some of that old, I don't know, warm feeling we have about the businesses that have supported towns. I mean, I lived in Rochester, New York a long time, and that's where Mimi Kennedy's from, by the way is Rochester, New York. She was one of our uh, back. I mean, everybody's very proud of Mimi. (laughs) I lived in Rochester a long time. But Kodak, Kodak of all places, right? I I sat in my lobby here at my studio in Hollywood with the the head VP of Kodak for professional uh, film. And he looked me straight in the eye and says, don't, we're not worried about digital. (laughs) And that was, you know, maybe 15 years ago. And look what happened. Kodak is no longer what it was. That's the beginning of it. Not being aware, not being cognizant, not being, not really appreciating that things are changing constantly. I mean, I would have never bet that Netflix was going to take off like it did. I would have never bet that they're going to be the leading decision maker today when you read the news today that they're mandating vaccines on all their sets. You know, those are the types of things that leaders do. And they didn't even exist <laughs> yeah. you know, at the beginning. So Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's just spawned, as we know, in a whole new industry. So, you know, which is good for filmmaking. Yeah, because absolutely. we need content more than ever. I mean, there's like, you know, because there's every every day you read, there's another new streaming service that is starting. I don't know how we can keep up with them, to be honest with you. Um, I have so many. I go, I don't even know where to begin to watch. So you just start, you know, 
I, I don't even know because there's so many places to go and watch uh, content. And so it's great for filmmakers because they're looking for content. And again, in, in Netflix and reading, as I said, what I, you know, this article yesterday about Scott Stuber, uh, you know, of what they're doing. And, and they gave him carte blanche when he took over in 2017. You know, he doesn't have to go to a committee. He doesn't have to go anywhere. He was a producer, so he knows how to do this. And look what he's done. I mean, he's really changed the industry um, quite a bit. Just him, but the whole Netflix and the whole model and Ted Sarandos. And uh, yeah, so it's it's a real interesting uh, time, I would think, for filmmakers. To me, we've not talked about this, but typically my business model for Silverman Productions has always been m- movies that have not only thought-provoking content, but have a purpose. And uh, it's not just purposeful storytelling, but it's social. And, uh, you know, I think there's room for more content of this nature. And I can see Matt Damon's coming out with a movie this week that, you know, deals with this type of small subject matter. And then he does the big films, which to me, I think is massively important because in in as much as I believe what you're describing Netflix has done is extraordinary, you know, they're not going to produce a couple million dollar movie that is, uh, you know, about the, the struggles of the Midwest unless it has big stars in it, you know? Uh, it's just the way their business model currently is. But this is something that is really strong, in my opinion, to the purpose of why I'm even doing what I'm doing is I want to give back, you know, and do and do business. Uh, my business model is to to do purposeful films. So it's, it's exciting, especially if they're received like you received it and enjoyed it, you know? Very much so, yes. And, I, yeah. and there, is a, there is a market there, so we'll let Netflix know. They do... What do they, do? they do some smaller films, don't they, Jay? I think they 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 do some stuff. It's funny, it's funny to me because, and I'm just saying this, and I think most independent filmmakers would say the same thing. You'd think with all the money they've got, they would set a little pot aside and say, let's acquire already made films yes, yes. that are, you know, in the upper echelon, 5% or what have you, and put those in a box on the demand uh, of, because, you know, they have that capability. Um, and to me, you know, to me, we always look for that. You know, I, I'm always mesmerized when I pop up something on HBO that is an award-winning uh, uh, independent movie that they've acquired. So, and that's my previous movies have been on Showtime or HBO, and that's how they got in, because there's a need for that. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, as I said, we need more and more content all the time. So, wh- where can people, um, and we'll talk some more about this film, but where can, since we're talking about uh, Netflix and all the right. other streaming services, where can people find Saving Paradise? Well, the, the movie is uh, domestically being released by uh, Vertical Entertainment. Mm-hmm. It comes out uh, September 3rd, and it will be in theaters as well as uh, on demand, And whether it be Amazon or iTunes or I think it's going to be on something like nine or ten different um, uh, uh, streamers. And it's going to be in, in nine different regions. So that might be L.A., New York, Chicago, Atlanta. It's going to be a small release in, in theaters, but they believed in it and they wanted to put it in theaters, and that excites me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've you know I've said it over, I say it over and over again. Movies should be seen in the movie theaters, you know, and uh, I really think it should be seen on the big screen if at all possible. And uh, and then I, that was one of the things I was reading yesterday that Netflix is you know for the bigger movies they want to do a um, 
a release, you know, to movie theaters. But the window is shorter than than before because the people we we need to support the movie theaters. We can't allow them to die and go away. I mean that that would be horrific if that happened. It really would be. You know, we need to support the movie and and the smaller independent movie theaters. Ours closed here. I don't think it's going to open unless somebody comes up and decides. Where are you in Santa Barbara? I am in Carmel, Carmel by the Sea. Oh, Carmel. There's no theaters open there right now. Well, we no the main the main theater is you know the Cinemarks are open, but our right. small independent movie theater here, which uh, yeah, you know uh, we I absolutely love and um, always have supported. Um, it closed during the pandemic. I, I haven't read what they're going to be doing if it's permanently closed or not. But um, that was sort of sad uh, when that happened. Yeah. So it's you know we need we need that we need to have those independent um, show right. these okay. kinds of films that the big theaters don't necessarily show all the time. So yeah. Yeah, it's really so you're in more now than ever because it appears if you want to predict the future, it appears that you know Disney and all the the that, that would be Warner Brothers and all their big big event tent poles are going to be for theaters, and whether they do it simultaneously, is, you know that's their own right. prerogative. But outside of that, it appears that you know streaming is going to be the the, the central form of distribution, um, and that's sad because I do believe, and you know I go to the independent theaters i haven't gone recently because you're right there's there's not new content at the end theaters right and hopefully in september we hope that uh now we got this new surge so who knows you know who knows you know <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even believe we're having this conversation because i told the writer of my next movie that i was going to i have to wait till this is over with and and uh, we said, well, third quarter, fourth quarter, and here we are, you know. Right, right, right. And, you know, it, none of us yeah. knows what's going to go on. You know, it's just, yeah. um, you just got to be in the moment and enjoy each moment that we have and, and, and just shrug yeah. and take it with a grain of salt until we can figure this all out. Um, you know, it, it just is a, an, a very interesting time for all of us to be living yeah. in, definitely. No Absolutely. question about it. Absolutely. And that's why a movie like your movie, Saving Paradise, is so... Uh, you know, just it's the perfect timing for a film like this because it is heartwarming, it's touching, it is about, um, you know, the. The spirit of mankind, which is, you know, coming through and persevering and making things happen and changing people's lives. And that's really key today, I think, more than ever uh, as we go through this. Um, and the fact that it's based on a true story, Jay, that was really um, very, you know, very surprising uh, that it was based on a true story. And, and it makes it even a better movie because of that. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I pretty much pick only based on true stories content because I, there's there's something innately important to me that that um, you know something that there's so many great stories out there that are real and in in this particular case this movie this stuff happens all the time you know right. you, you you just mentioned it with the big boxes just disappearing you know I think uh, and as I said, a metaphor for a pencil. Here you have a company that is employing vast majority of adults in a small little town. And uh, that aside from Tyson Foods, <laughs> where we really shot this movie in Shelbyville, even though it takes place in Pennsylvania, I can tell you right now that without this factory, there'd be 50% less people working. And it's just heartbreaking because a guy that's counting the beans in on Wall Street isn't thinking about the the guy on the street. These are stories that made America what 
what it is. And that's what gets me excited about a true story, because when you unwrap it, you realize it's applicable in your own neighborhood. When you hear about people supporting restaurants that are almost closed or joining uh, fundraising to save a company because they're purposeful, you know, they need it. Exactly. Jay, our time is up, but it's been such a pleasure having you back on the show to talk about Saving Paradise. So everybody uh, search out Saving Paradise. It's a wonderful, heartwarming, touching film, and it's a pleasure seeing you again, and I look forward to having you back on the show and with your next movie. I'm I'm very grateful, and September 3rd is the launch, and you should be able to find it on all those streaming services. So I'm very I'm I'm doing a plug there. Go ahead, right ahead. That's what this is for. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Yes, you too. You too. If you have missed any of the Jam Price Show's All About Movies, they are all archived on thejampriceshow.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on uh, Instagram, at The Jam Price Show. Also, we are on the iHeart Podcast Network, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. You name it, we're there. Also, go to our YouTube channel, The Jam Price Show, and subscribe so you can find us. Thank you all for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. 